Dylan Dodd is the best Braves bet to win rookie of the year in the 2023 season. He proved exactly why in the first spring training game of the year for the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about that as well as the other games from over the weekend on this episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my website, shortstopball.com, where you can see some of my written work and other material. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves, where you can send in any questions, comments, or feedback to be used on the podcast. Always trying to make this as interactive as possible with you, the listener. If you're new, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching this video, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button. Also, thank you for making a Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. So plenty of Atlanta Braves coverage leading up to the 2023 season. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the Braves' best bet to win Rookie of the Year in 2023 after Michael Harris won the award last season. And then we're going to talk about the two games from over the weekend. We have spring training action, games, players on the field, playing games, new pitch rules, uh, pitch clock, batter clock, which came into effect on Saturday's game. We'll discuss all that as well, give you my feelings how on how those rules went over the weekend. But let's start with the best bet for the Braves for a Braves player to win a rookie of the year in 2023. As you know, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider finished one and two in the vote last year. And I did my awards preview last week talking about the Braves preseason award favorites. And I picked Dylan Don to be the Braves rookie of the year in 2023. So Makes sense that I would pick him to be the Braves' best chance to win Rookie of the Year in 2023. Now, do I think that would happen? Do I think you need to go out to FanDuel and put a bet on that now? No. However, I do think he has the best chance out of all the Braves' prospects who could have an impact on this upcoming season and had a really good case uh, to show why, at least, in the game on Saturday. But Dylan Dodd, again, I picked him as my Rookie of the Year for the Braves in last week's video. If you haven't checked that out, please make sure you go back and give that a listen. I was going to put him here, you know, even before the outing on Saturday, but what a showing that he had. Now, before we get into that outing, I just want to talk about what it would take for Dylan Dodd to win play a rookie of the year for the Braves in 2023, or not just the Braves. I'm talking about the entire league. If the Braves were to go back-to-back for the award in 2023, a lot of bad would have to happen. In order for Dylan Dodd to win Rookie of the Year, that means Mike Soroka either is not healthy or is just not able to pitch like he was formerly capable of. It means Ian Anderson hasn't progressed at all and still looks like last year's version version of Ian Anderson. It means Bryce Elder isn't good enough to hold on to that spot in the rotation. Or it could just be that he has surpassed, that Dylan Dodd surpasses Bryce Elder, as well as Jared Schuster, which would mean Jared Schuster possibly takes a step back. But hopefully in that scenario, it just means that Dylan Dodd is pitching so well that he has surpassed those guys in the pecking order. Because right now, 
Dylan Dodd is pretty far down on that list. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is seventh or eighth in the depth chart right now. So that's not an easy path for him to get starts in 2023. And like I said, a lot of bad things would have to happen because that means guys ahead of him, like Soroka, like Ian Anderson, are either not healthy or not pitching well. But I do think he will get an opportunity at some point this year, which is a question of whether or not it will be enough for him to qualify for Rookie of the Year and does he pitch well enough to qualify for Rookie of the Year. He would have to probably at least get 20 starts to even be in the discussion for Rookie of the Year. However, like I said, what he did in Saturday's game, first spring training game, you got to take all the caveats. It's a spring training game. Boston sent their seed lineup to this game. Dylan Dodd pitched in the fourth and fifth innings. You still had a good bit of the starters in, but again, these were all backup minor league players. Still, just what you saw, what you visually saw was really impressive. Two innings, no hits, no walks, no earned runs, three strikeouts. And I just love the way that he he pounded the strike zone with fastballs. I didn't see a ton of, of off-speed stuff. Kind of was hard to tell on the broadcast. They didn't have a radar gun up regularly, but the broadcast the broadcasters were saying that he was hitting 94, 95 regularly, which is great to hear. Um, you know, he's more so usually 92, 94, but you know, if he's sitting 94, 95 all season long, I mean, could be a big year for Dylan Dodd. And I love that, you know, the Red Sox broadcast, they interviewed Christian Arroyo, who had faced Dylan Dodd. And he said, this is a quote from him. He said, the last guy, which was Dylan Dodd, and he kind of threw a shocked face up, said, had a sneaky, good hitter. And I think that's the big thing about Dylan Dodd is, yeah, it's a low to mid-90s fastball, but it's a fastball that really gets on you. And again, like I said, I didn't see a lot of the secondaries, but when I watched him this past offseason, I really liked the slider that he threw and he, he's already, you know, has a really good changeup as well. So, you know, a good first outing for Dylan Dodd. He had an inning that only lasted two and a half minutes. And I know pace of play is a part of that. And we'll discuss that later in the podcast, but the guy was just getting the ball and he was filling up the strike zone and throwing strikes and blowing it by hitters early in spring train up a bad lineup from the Red Sox. I get all that, but it was impressive. And I think it impressed a lot of people on Saturday. So he'll have to keep that up again to try to move up that pecking order. Can he jump Jared Schuster? Can he jump Bryce Elder, who didn't have the best of starts on Sunday, which we'll talk about. And again, I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year. I don't think any Braves player is even going to come close to winning rookie of the year in 2023. But if I had to pick one player who had the best chance of doing it right now, I would pick Dylan Dodd. Some other candidates, Again, Jared Schuster, who we've mentioned, you know, he's obviously on the verge. He's in that depth chart, you know, coming into the season. I would have probably put him ahead of Dylan Dodd. But again, as things play out over spring training, that's, you know, one of the the many battles within spring training that you can kind of look at is what is the pecking order of the starting rotation? If the Braves need a starter, do they look to Dylan Dodd first? Do they look to Bryce Elder first? Do they look to Jared Schuster first? So this means a lot for these guys in spring training as well to try to move up that pecking order if there are injuries, if guys regress, if, again, like Ian Anderson doesn't show improvement, where is Dylan Dodd? And I think right now he's starting to move his way up that starting pitching depth. Victor Vodnik didn't have a good outing, but I do think you know he's somebody that could come up 
and, and be pitch out of the bullpen and be solid. Obviously not good enough to win an NL rookie of the year. And I liked somebody when I talked about awards, Braves team awards last week, somebody mentioned Jesse Franklin and we probably don't see Franklin for a while and he probably wouldn't even get enough playing time to be considered for the NL rookie of the year. But I did like that name because of nothing works out in left field and Franklin gets back healthy after having Tommy John surgery, missing all of last year. He's a big power hand, big power bat, left-handed hitter, you know, somebody that could possibly come up later in the year if he proves himself at the lower levels and have an impact in the outfield. But again, my money is on Dylan Dodd. If anybody from the Braves is going to win rookie of the year in 2023. All right, next, I want to get into some of the uh, action from Saturday and Sunday's games as well for the Atlanta Braves and talk about uh, talk about some of the other performances that we saw there. Von Grissom's defense. I'm going to go deep into one ground ball that he received over the weekend. We'll discuss that here next. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel's number one sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and very easy to use. And new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You can also bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. You can also get in on the MLB predictions for the upcoming season, team wins, MVP, Cy Young Awards, all of that. So don't miss a chance to get in on the no-sweat first bet deal up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Again, last week had a lot of uh, a lot of good kind of preseason podcasts come out. If you haven't given them a listen, we did the awards prediction. Uh, I talked about you know, who I thought was going to be a breakout player for the Braves this upcoming season prospect-wise. A lot of good stuff. Our mailbag episode on Friday as well is always a good one with a lot of great content in there. So make sure that you go back and give those a listen if you haven't already. But let's jump into Saturday's games and the takeaway from Saturday's game. And I tweeted this out. I watched the one ground ball, which was the first play of the game, that was hit to Von Grissom probably 20 times, um, not exaggerating. And I I got to be honest, I don't want to get killed here for overanalyzing one ground ball, but I, I didn't love the approach. Um, it just didn't look fluid to me. It didn't look smooth, which is what I talked about coming into spring training. I said, I just want it. I want it to look smooth. I want it to look natural. I don't want it to look rushed. Um, I didn't see that. Uh, what I saw was a player who was trying to do all the right things and thinking about it mentally and doing it mechanically. It wasn't natural to him. It didn't look natural. This is one ground ball in the first game of spring training. I get it. I'm overreacting. I'm overanalyzing one ground ball. And I have, I'm going to have to remind people all year long, this guy is 22 years old. If he doesn't seem quite there yet right now, he still has time, I believe. But, just one look. It's all that I've had so far, so it's all I have, have to go on. It just didn't look great. And just kind of to break it down, it looks like the Braves were kind of shifted a little bit uh, on, a, on a right-handed hitter, so he was kind of shading towards the third base hole a little bit, which is where the ball was hit, so he didn't have far to go. My big complaint with the play is that he's, he set back on it, 
and he caught the ball flat-footed. I mean, he was almost in a catcher's crouch with his bottom on the ground. Don't love that, and it made him throw a ball flat-footed, a ball that ended up kind of sailing on him. Uh, thankfully, Matt Olson is eight feet tall and was able to stretch and get it to save him from a throwing air. I just didn't I didn't love that. I, I would have rather seen him round the ball, come up and charge it, and catch it and throw it with his momentum going towards first base. It would have made for a much easier play. So on the positive side, it was a strong arm. I mean, because, again, he caught it flat-footed deep in the hole, between shortstop and third base, and he made a strong throw over there. He just could have made the play a lot easier. And bottom line, he made the play. He got the out. And as long as he just makes the plays this year, he's going to be perfectly fine because I think the bat is going to be there. And again, he's going to be batting bottom of the lineup. We don't need much from him. But as long as he just makes the plays, we'll be perfectly fine. But I'm overanalyzing one ground ball, but I just personally didn't love it. Is there room for improvement there? Absolutely. Again, I'm going to keep saying it all year long. He's 22 years old. There's plenty of room for him to grow and improve, but the one ground ball I've seen, I just think there's still room for improvement there and things that he could have done better just to make it an easier play for him. Speaking of nice defensive plays, though, Luke Waddell playing second base. I'm really curious to watch him uh, this spring training to try to earn that bench job utility role, maybe not out of spring training, but later in the year, he was playing second base. He backhanded a ball on the shortstop side of second base, threw across his body to first. The low throw, Matt Olson dug it out over there. Great job by Matt Olson, but thought that was a really nice play by Luke Waddell. Speaking of Matt Olson, got a hit through the right side that would have normally been an easy out in the shift. So there's where you see one of the differences with the shift going away. Then later, Hit a ball down in the zone, crushed it out to right center field for a two-run homer. So um, my Matt Olson, you know, breakout kind of season in Atlanta, looking pretty good right now through one game of spring training. Eddie Rosario put the ball in play three times, which I think, you know, is solid, obviously. When Eddie Rosario's going well, he's looking to yank balls inside uh, Walker Bueller. Um but he's also spraying balls the other way. Not balls that hit or hit hard, but when we saw him hot in that NLCS, a lot of times it was just putting the bat on the ball and pitches away and dumping them into left field or, or shooting them up the middle. And a lot of it was a little bit of batted ball luck that was finding holes for sure. But when Eddie Rosario's at his best, that's what he's able to do. He's able to turn on the inside pitch and hit for power, and he's able to kind of just flip balls the other way. And that's what we saw him do in that first game. Again, nothing hit hard. He reached on an, an air. He snuck one through. But, again, I just think it was a little bit of an encouraging sign in one game. He also threw out a runner at third base who rounded the bag. Uh, he threw him out trying to come back. But then he also threw about a 10-hopper to second base that any – average throw probably would have got the runner so again see some of the the limit limitations there for rosario in left field but overall him running to get the balls because he had several hits to him out in left field i thought he did fine um but the arm was kind of hit or miss there as far as ronald acuna i was really encouraged he had one one base hit but it was an off-speed pitch down and what was encouraging to me about it is that he was able to get under it and get some lift on it to get it over the shortstop's head a ball that would have easily been a ground out last year. I talked about it. Really the only thing missing from Ronald's game last year was the launch angle. He was still hitting the ball, ball extremely hard. He was just pounding them into the ground because he couldn't get under the baseball because he wasn't trusting that knee. So 
Very encouraging to see him get under that pitch down and able to lift it over the shortstop for a hit. Eli White, I thought he was kind of impressive in on Saturday's game. He was more physically imposing than I thought. He's listed at six foot three, but I just figured with his speed, you know, he'd be a little bit smaller guy, but he's got a pretty uh, big frame on him. He had a nice swing on a fastball down and away, he drove it into the right center field gap for a double. He also tagged up from second on a ball to deep deep left center field, again, kind of showing that speed. However, he did get thrown out trying to steal a bag later on as well. But I thought it was the first good look at Eli White and that swing that he hit to right center. That was an impressive look right there. We talked about Dylan Dodd already on the pitching side. Darius Vines looked good as well. He struck out the side, did allow a base runner, but struck out the side. I believe they were all on that changeup. I'm pretty sure they were all off-speed pitches. So good stuff from Darius Vines there as well. And then looking at Sunday's game, thing that stood out to me here here was Sam Hilliard playing in center field over Eli White. Um, you know, I think all of those, either of those guys can play center field. Kevin Pillar was in the outfield as well. I think all three of those guys can play center, but, um, and I'm sure, you know, they'll all get different looks there throughout spring training. But again, kind of looking into the little things, overanalyzing right now early in spring training. It was kind of curious to me uh, that Sam Hilliard got to start in center field. Hilliard had the only hit of the game and he struck out looking in his first at bat a ball I thought was low that should have been ball four but got struck out looking the ball probably too close to take uh, but he had the only hit of the game on Sunday you know teams don't typically send their best lineups on the road we saw that with Boston coming to the Braves stadium on Saturday and then the Braves obviously didn't send out their best on the road on Sunday but just one hit not a great look wasn't a great look on the pitching side either. Rough start for Bryce Elder, who's trying to compete for that fifth starter spot. Got a couple of ground balls in the first inning that that snuck through, and this is you know one of my worries for ground ball pitchers like Bryce Elder is that with that shift going away, you're going to see some balls that are going to get through the infield. Ball or Judge crushed a ball uh, to third base. Nice play by Dunnan over there. Got up through it, but then kind of short hopped the first baseman. Castile couldn't handle it. And then later in the inning, gives up a grand slam, does Bryce Elder after he fell behind 2-0 and then left a sinker up over the plate. And I thought, saw a lot of sinkers from Bryce Elder, so I don't know if he's just working on that early. But, um, you know, when he falls behind in the count and you leave that sinker up, that's just begging to get crushed. So not a great first outing for Bryce Elder. Clark Schmidt on the other side, the Yankees starter, was showing no mercy. And he's similar to Bryce Elder. He's battling for a spot in the starting rotation for New York. That slider that he threw was absolutely filthy. He struck out five of six batters that he faced. So not an easy task for Braves hitters on Sunday. But Ozuna, he was the only player to put the ball in play against Clark Schmidt. So that may be the only positive. It's he was over three on the day. And he had a strikeout on a borderline pitch on the outside. But again, a pitch probably too close to take with two strikes. Good inning from Dylan Lee. He had a couple of strikeouts in a perfect inning. And then Blake Burkhalter, we saw him pitch an inning later in the game as well. Walked a batter, but did strike out too. So a solid first spring training outing for Blake Burkhalter. All right, next, I want to get to some of the news of the weekend, including talking about the new rules, the pitch clock, the matter clock. We'll discuss all that here next. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holiday seasons. If you still got your New Year's resolution going, then more power to you. But if your goal was to eat a little bit healthier, 
then you got to try Built Bars because not only do you eat healthier, you don't have to compromise on the taste either. Built Bars taste just like a candy bar covered in 100% real chocolate with flavors like peanut butter, brownie, cookies and cream, which are some of my favorites. However, they're still good for you. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And we've been telling you for a while how you can go to Built.com to order you a box, and you can still do that if you prefer. But if you're eager to go get you some, you can go to Walmart right now, Sam's Club, get you a four-bar box at Walmart or a 13-bar box at Sam's Club. However you get your Built Bars, go out and get yourself a box today. All right, getting into some of the news from over the weekend, the new rules. And the game on Saturday ended with a batter clock violation, not a pitch clock violation, but a batter clock violation. And ultimately, I think it was the right call. Um, Cal Conley wasn't in the box, wasn't ready by eight seconds. He said he was waiting on the catcher. That's why we got to get this stuff out of the way now because that's something nobody probably thought of beforehand is does it matter when the catcher is ready? And it does. He has to be in by nine seconds, but Conley has to be in there. He has to be ready to go. But games cannot end like this in the regular season. It just absolutely can't. You got bases loaded, a 3-2 count, two outs, a tie game. You cannot, and it wouldn't have ended a game in regular season anyway because it's a tie game, but that just cannot happen. You cannot make that call in that situation. And I said this, you know, the last couple of weeks, it's going to be strict. It's going to be a tough change for players, for fans, for coaches in the beginning of spring training, because they want to get this into the players heads that we're for real. We're going to call this players will adjust. Players will have to adjust. And when they do, hopefully we don't see anything else like this ever happen again, because that just, you got to have some feel for the game there as the umpire. And I feel like they will. I honestly hope the pitch clock goes away in the postseason. I haven't said that, so I don't think it will. But I don't want to see any pitch clock violations in a postseason game. Regular season, fine, whatever. But this just can't happen in a game that counts. You can't make that call in that type of moment. But like I said, everybody's adjusting. Umpires are adjusting. Players will adjust. And again, I think it I think it will be something we don't really focus on a lot, hopefully, you know, a couple of months into the season. Right now, that's all anybody is focusing on and talking about, and I get that. But once everybody adjusts, players, coaches, umpires, I think we'll see a much cleaner, fast game. And I think we'll see this, you know, somewhat go away into the background like it has at the minor league levels and even at the college level for years. You hardly even ever notice it. However, I loved the pace of action in these games that I watched over the weekend. And look, I love baseball and I don't agree with the comments that says, if you're a baseball fan, you don't mind sitting around watching three and a half, four hour games. That is not true. I love baseball, but I don't need to sit around and watch three and a half hour games that are full of pitchers walking around the mound, batters stepping out to adjust themselves. That's not baseball. I don't need to see that. I want to see baseball. I want to see action. And so I love the pace of action in these, these spring training games that I have watched so far over the weekend. It is fast. You can tell it's deliberate, but I love the pace of action. Again, it's not the pace of the game for me. I'll watch a three and a half, four hour game. If the pace of action is there, 
But if it's not, then it does become dull. It does become boring. It's hard to engage my kids who lose focus very, very quickly if you have young ones and you know. So I just need the pace of action improved. And I saw that in these games over the weekend. So again, once everybody gets adjusted to these rules, hopefully we don't see these pitch clock, batter clock violations very often. I think in the minor leagues, it was like half a violation a game on average once everything kind of settled down. Honestly, hope it becomes even less than that. But just as far as how the rules go, I love the pace of action. We're seeing more two and a half hour games. But again, for me, it's not necessarily the time. It's just the action. You know, get the ball, get in the box, next pitch, next pitch. You know, let's see some action. There shouldn't be three, four, five minute delays between action in a baseball game. So I love the pace of action. Let me know your thoughts. Do you like the new rules? Did you like the pace of action on the games that you watched over the weekend? Because I personally uh, just really enjoyed it. And I think it's going to be a better product. It's going to be the way, and you heard the Red Sox announcers talk about this on Saturday, the way the game used to play and i'm not trying to be an old timer and go back to the old good old days but this is how baseball was played and so we're just trying to get back to that and i think once we do it's going to be a much better product on the field kyle wright felt good after a bullpen on saturday so that is encouraging news maybe we see him in the rotation here in the week another week or so um dennis santana claimed by waivers on the twins and full disclosure i'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. So if there's going to be another move of the Braves adding somebody to the roster, and if it gets announced later on, then I'll have it on Tuesday's podcast. But uh, a bit surprising to me, I know Dennis Santana is out of options. So we talked about that coming into the year when we did our roster prediction last week. But I thought this was a guy with some upside. I mean, throws hard, good sinker, nasty slider. I really thought there was some big upside here with Santana. If he could prove it in spring training, you would have to, you know, obviously keep him or you can't send him down to the minors because he's out of options. So I get maybe why the Braves had to DFA him, but I, I don't know. I, we'll see who they bring in again. I'm recording this on Sunday at about uh, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. So if something happens afterwards, We'll react to it on tomorrow's podcast. But that was a bit of a surprising one there. So Dennis Santana, uh, we barely knew you as he was claimed by the Twins off waivers. And then Manny Machado signs an 11-year, $350 million extension with the Padres. So the Padres over there just spending big-time money trying to create a superpower on the West Coast. So uh, good for Manny Machado and the Padres to get that done. You see some of these extensions the Braves are doing makes you feel even more uh, better about some of these extensions that Alex Anthopoulos has already wrapped up. All right, that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Braves. Thanks for making us your first listen of each and every day. Now go make your second listen to Locked On MLB Prospects podcast with host Lindsey Crosby, who talks about the biggest and brightest stars of tomorrow. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 